Um, and we're just going to pick up at the end of this story. Just to recap very quickly, you know there was a king who called all of his accounts to order. He says, listen, I want to know where, where things are. He finds there's one of his servants who owes him a whole lot. We could just, for our sake, say billions of dollars. He owes a lot of money, an unpayable debt. That servant, of course, begs and pleads, please forgive me, give me a few more days, give me a few more months, whatever. Of course, we all know he could have never paid it, but he was just asking to kick the can down the road a little bit so he could pay it. The king has compassion on him, forgives him, says that debt's gone. No more. You're not going to be punished for it. You're not going to owe it. It's over. He goes out and immediately, this servant goes out immediately and finds another of his fellow servants. And he, this guy owes him, by comparison, about $12,000. Not nothing, but not anywhere near the billions he was owed. And he gets a hold of him. He says that he chokes him. He gets a hold of him by the neck and says, you better give me my money. And the man says exactly the same thing that he had told the king earlier. Please forgive me. Give me a little bit of time. I can pay this. The man says, no, I'm not going to forgive you. In fact, because you owe it to me, I'm going to throw you into the debtor's prison, which was his right to do. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 31. I want you to just follow along with me. Verse 31, Matthew 18, verse 31, we read down to verse 35. Here's what the scripture says. So now, so when he, when his fellow servants saw what was done, so obviously everybody had been watching this, they were very sorry and came and, told their, came and told unto their Lord all that was done. So they go to the king and talk to him about it. So his Lord, then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth delivered him to his the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every i'm sorry let me say that again if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother his their trespasses let's pray and ask the lord to help us tonight father i pray that you'll help me as i preach your word to your people help us as we examine our hearts for our the forgiveness that needs to be there. Forgive us where it's not. But Lord, would you please provide us that forgiveness? Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you provide to us the forgiveness that needs to be had? Because you've given us so much forgiveness. Help us to forgive those who hurt us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever seen those... Um, bracelets they're not as popular now as they used to be a few years ago it's got wwjd do you know you know what I'm talking about what it's what would jesus do you know that you know that, you know that. thank you mark i appreciate that i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm get in trouble now but it says what would jesus do wwjd what would jesus do it's actually based on um you may or may not know this but it was based on a novel a fellow named charles sheldon wrote a novel a few years ago several years ago now uh called in his steps and the basis of that novel was a man who actually would go around his life and make decisions saying, what would Jesus do in this situation? And he made decisions based on that. It's kind of good advice, and it's a good thought. Um, but I, I always think about it this way, that sometimes it's a little bit too little too late, because it's great if you do it before you do the action, but when you're on the other end of it, what would Jesus have done? And most of the time he wouldn't have done what I did. <laughs> so it's a little bit after the fact. Um, and and, and 
the fact is, when, when it comes down to how you handle the wrongs that are done against you, at least with me, how, when I get someone does something wrong against me, if I look at my forgiveness in the way that I forgive, you might want to ask the question, what would, have Je- what would Jesus have done? What would he have done about that? And, and, and if you're honest about it, you have to say, well, I don't think Jesus would have really liked what I did. I don't think he would have thought that my forgiveness of other people was honoring his suffering, honoring his shed blood in the same way. He wouldn't have been very happy with my forgiveness. He wouldn't have said, Mel, Matthew looks like he's grateful because of the way he's forgiven. You wonder if if the Lord would assess us in that way. I, I, I think he would say, well, it looks like Matthew doesn't quite understand that he's been forgiven so much because of the way that I have forgiven others. Most of our forgiveness, I would, I would dare say, most of the way that most of us forgive other people falls miserably short of the forgiveness that we've been given. And if I can say it another way, that's why I'm grateful for his forgiveness, because if, if it was left up to my forgiveness, oh my goodness, I would be, I'd be up a creek. But because our Lord forgives, because he's the one that forgives us, we can, we can be grateful for that. But when your forgiveness isn't quite right, and I'm looking at this servant here, his forgiveness was not quite right. There's no two ways about it. His forgiveness doesn't, didn't, doesn't match up. In fact, you can see here the Lord was wroth there in verse 34. He, his, his, his forgiveness didn't quite match up. His Lord looked at his forgiveness and said, that ain't right. That's not, what I, that's not why I forgave you. That doesn't match up with what I want. But when your forgiveness is not exactly right there are three things that i think you can expect to happen and i want to pull this out of this uh, part of the parable there are three things that i think you can expect to happen whenever your forgiveness falls short of what it ought to be because your forgiveness don't forget this your forgiveness should reflect the forgiveness that you've received you understand that so if you if you've got the if your forgiveness is reflecting the forgiveness you received is your forgiveness really doing that and my answer is no mine most of the time doesn't But there are three things that I think happen whenever you have that occur. Look with me in verse 31. It says there that the fellow servants saw what was done, and they were sorry, and they told it to their Lord. Um, Jesus is using, in this parable, he is using a, a a formula for telling a parable. And it was a particular formula that was known and used within the rabbinic traditions and the, the purpose of these parables almost always has a king who has servants. And those always are pointing to the king being God and the servants being God's people. It always was the way that they would do these, these uh, particular parables. And Jesus is just following in those footsteps of the rabbinic tradition. So the king is the father, God the father. In fact, even in verse 35, he gives us that, that thing to unlock it. And he says, likewise, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. So he's kind of helping you see the connection there between that. And you see the servants as God's people. So when I read here in verse 31, his fellow servants, what I ought to be seeing here as you're you're paying attention to this is yes, the Father, God, has forgiven me, but there are these other fellow servants, my brothers and sisters in Christ, who are around me. And what should happen whenever my forgiveness falls short when I'm not forgiving the way I'm supposed to forgive, the thing that you should actually not only expect to happen, but you actually should be hoping is happening, is exactly what happens in verse 31. If you see this here as the fellow servants, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ, 
when they see your forgiveness not quite ma matching up with what it should forgive, uh, your forgiveness should match up to, what do they do? They're very sorry about it, but they go and tell their Lord all that was done. If your forgiveness, you're not forgiving the way you should forgive, the first thing that should be happening, absolutely should happen, is there ought to be a church full of people talking to the Lord about your forgiveness. They ought to do that. Now, now, if you know about my forgiveness not matching up or some other brother or sister's forgiveness, it says here that we need to pray about that. We need to pray about it. That's when I talk to the Lord, that's how I do it. I pray. I don't know how y'all talk to the Lord, but that's how I do it. We call it praying. So we need to pray. So if they know about it, they can pray about it. Now, now, one of the things you don't see in this story anywhere is these fellow servants. I, I don't know if this is on purpose or by accident, but I can just tell you what's on here. These fellow servants, I don't see them having a conversation with other fellow servants. I don't see them going to the next kingdom over talking about it with other kingdoms or going to another king altogether. I don't see them having these other conversations. Who are they going to? They're going to the king. They're going to the Lord. That's who they're going to with this thing. They go to the master. Now, now, if you've been paying attention to this whole series on forgiveness, it's all through the chapter 18, you might be tripping, your mind goes tripping back to, well, what about church discipline? Remember, there was, when I see a brother in, a, in sin, I need to go to him. Well, certainly, if you've been sinned against, let us say, for example, in my forgiveness, I have hurt Brother Mark, then Brother Mark, I think, has every right, and not only right responsibility, to come to me and say, brother, I, I'm, you've not forgiven me the way I think you need to forgive me. And we can debate whether he's right or wrong, but that's a responsibility according to church discipline. If he's been sinned against, or if you've been sinned against, you'd go, against, go, go to that person and talk to them. And then there's a whole process from there. You take it with, with, uh, with witnesses and then take it before the church. We understand the process there. But again, what I'm not talking about is you've been sinned against. I'm saying, but Junior says, Matthew's not quite forgiven the way he needs to. What's Junior supposed to do? Go tell Lee? No. Go have a little meeting in somebody's house about it? No. Pick up the telephone, social media, whatever? No. He's supposed to get on his knees and say, Lord, you know Matthew's forgiveness ain't quite right. I need, I need you to help him. Would you help him? Would you help him? That's what the church ought to be doing. <clears throat> if we've been sinned against, yes, we follow the steps of chapter uh, 18 verses 15 to 17 but in lieu of that of course we talk to the lord but even if we are dealing with a church discipline matter don't miss the fact that the church is acting on behalf of god remember we talked about that in the church discipline discussion we're acting on behalf of god so if we're acting on behalf of god we might want to know what his mind is on the thing so you know what we ought to do even in those situations let's go talk to the lord about it let's go talk even if you've been sinned against it might be a good thing before you do anything it's to say, Lord, one of your servants over there is doing something I don't like. What should I do about it? Maybe fix my heart? Would you talk to him about it? Because can, can I just bring out to you, this is one thing that I always try to remind myself about on all this. Either this whole Christianity thing is real or it's not. And you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Let me, let me help you explain. If this is real, that means God is real. And if God is real, do you know what God can do? at least the way I believe about God, anything, anything he wants to do. And, and if he loves you and he cares about you, and I believe he does, 
and we are off in sin, and one of his other children says, hey, there's one of my brothers that's off in sin, do you know what God can do? Without you lifting a finger, he can mess up his little apple cart and set him in the right direction. That's what God can do. God can do that. Now, if in, on the other hand, this whole thing is just a charade to make you feel like you're a good person, then of course, you've got to put your hand to the plow and you've got to fix everybody around you. But what does this fellow servants, these, these fellow servants do? They are talking to the Lord because they know that the Lord, in this case, is the one who's capable. So what I'm doing, I want to be very clear with you what I'm doing right now. I'm encouraging McConnell Road Baptist Church members to talk about each other's forgiveness or lack of forgiveness. I want you to do that. But that conversation needs to be to one person, and that person is our Savior, is our God, is our King. You see, we all answer not necessarily to each other. Yes, I know that what we do affects one another, but you know who we all answer to? We answer to God. And if you'll pray for me about my sin, God will fix me. If you'll pray for each other about each other's sin, again, I want to make sure I'm, I don't go too, too far down this path. I'm not suggesting that if we see a brother or sister in sin, we ought not go help them. We absolutely are going to do that. But what I'm trying to say here is there ought to be one conversation that's had that often is not had, and that is talking to the Lord about the matter, praying to God. Lord, you know what's going on in that situation. Because sometimes, you know what, sometimes you don't know all the details. Ain't that right? Uh, sometimes I might assume some things about you, and I may be dead wrong. <laughs> and not that you're not in sin, but there might be other extenuating circumstances that if I jump in the middle of it, I make a mess out of. And man, I've done that before. Jump in the middle of something, and it ain't none of my business. You ever done that? I know I have. And then you do that, when you start doing that, what do you do? You start messing everything up. You start messing it up. But the Lord, like I said, if he's either real or he's not, and if he's real, I think he can fix it. I think he can handle it. Now, so the first thing, when your forgiveness has fallen a little bit short, you need to expect that your church is going to talk about you to the Lord. You're going to expect that to happen. But then the second thing that you're going to expect to happen is what that church is talking to the Lord about, they expect God is going to deal with you on this matter. Uh, go to verse 32. When the Lord hears about it, what does he do? He called him, and he says, O thou wicked servant. I don't think the... King's real happy about this. He's not real pleased with his servant in this situation. He says there, I forgave thee all that, de all that debt because thou desirest me. He said, all you had to do was ask me and I forgave you. Here's a king that is lavish in his forgiveness. He is extravagant. He says with a stroke of a pen, it was all gone. It was vanished. And all you had to do was say, please. And it was done. But here this servant was stingy with his forgiveness. He says in verse 33, Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? He said, you were being stingy with your forgiveness. And he says, that, that, that's not going to abide. Not going to abide that. This king ends up, in verse 34, he's wroth, he's angry with his servant. He delivers him to the tormentors, it says there, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now that phrase, if you read it one way, you may say, well, he, he just stayed there till he got the debt paid off. That may be true. But you know when that debt got paid off? 
I don't think it was ever paid off. This was a life sentence for this man. He is paying billions of dollars back, an unpayable debt, a debt that it would have taken a small municipality several years to have repaid for an individual man who's now in prison and has no way to earn any of this income. There's no way he could have ever paid it back. So he is paying a life sentence. There is in this no contradiction. I want you to make sure you understand this. There is no contradiction in a heavenly father. We know this is the heavenly father, verse 35. There is no contradiction in a heavenly father who is bountiful in his forgiveness while ruthless in his punishment. This is the God that we serve. He is bountiful in his forgiveness, but he is ruthless in his punishment. Do understand this, because God is so forgiving and so loving that all you have to do is ask confess your sins and he is willing and he is just to forgive you of those sins there is no no price you can pay there is no there's no effort you can put in to get the forgiveness and he is standing at the ready to give you that forgiveness so when you are so arrogant and so bold as to one not even ask for it and two that to act as if you deserve it somehow and definitely never give it out to anybody else don't be surprised when that God is angry and upset and condemning of you because of that. It's because of his great love, because of his great compassion, because of his great mercy that he cannot abide people who are loveless, hard-hearted, and merciless in their forgiveness. Because he is that kind of a God. And he definitely doesn't abide it within his own family. So when God deals with unforgiveness, <clears throat> there are three possible outcomes. I'm going to give those to you very briefly here. The first is if you're one of his children, you genuinely have received his forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 12 and begins about verse 2, and you go all the way down, I think about verse 11, verse 12, somewhere in there. You can read a whole passage of Scripture about this concept. But what he does with his children, he corrects them, chastises them. You know what a father or a mother is doing to their child? They're shaping them. They're creating them. They're making them into something. That if, if we're doing our jobs right, we're creating them into young men and young women who can be uh, able to, to survive and to thrive in this world on their own because we've put into them the things. That's what, that's what every parent wants, right? You want your, your child to grow up and be able to be a successful adult. That's what we want them to do. And the same thing essentially is what God's wanting us to do. Instead, what he is doing is where he's making us into his image. And that's going to take a lifetime of sanctification. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take, I mean, none of us have arrived, no, by no means. We're all still getting taken to the woodshed, the spiritual woodshed, because we all need to keep getting made in the image of God. But what he's going to do is he's going to take, he's going to correct us, and he's going to forgive us, and he's going to correct us, and he's going to forgive us, and he's going to correct us, and he's going to forgive us. But what he's not going to do is say, oh, it's okay. You all know some of those permissive parents you know the ones that you want to jack up in the grocery store because little Johnny's running all over the place. You know, you know the ones I'm talking about. That's not God. That's not the way God operates. God doesn't operate that way. He's not like, oh, it's okay. That's just how he is. No, no. God is going to say, that's my child. I have something I want him to become, and I'm going to correct him until he becomes that. And that's going to happen to every person in this room. If you're a Christian, he is going to continue to correct you over your entire life 
there will never be a day where God will stop saying, you know what, he's done, done with that one. The minute he does that, you know what's happened? You're no longer on this planet, you're in heaven. That's when that happens. But he's going to correct you. That's how he's going to deal with your unforgiveness. When you are not forgiving the right way, one of the things you can expect is that your father's going to come in and he's going to convict your heart. He may have to do a few things in your life to show you there's something wrong there. And you're going to, it may take you decades, but you're going to learn that lesson because he's going to continue to teach that to you. If you're one of his children, if you are saved, if Jesus is your Savior, if God is your Father, if heaven is your home, if that is true of you, you will expect God to correct you uh, in order to get this right. Now, if you've not yet been forgiven, if you've never received the forgiveness of God, now please understand, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that forgiveness was available to every man, woman, or child that has ever lived and ever will live. I believe he died for the sins of the whole world. First John chapter 2 and verse 2. Not just the sins of the believers, but the sins of the whole world. I believe that he did that. But there are people in this world, and such were some of you, and myself included, uh, who at one point in their life had not yet received that forgiveness. We have to come to that point to accept the forgiveness of God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not yet received that what he's going to do when your forgiveness falls short, when you are sinning in this way, he is going to convict you of that. John 16 talks about in verses 8 through 11 there, talks about how the Holy Spirit is in this world to convict us of those sin, of that sin. That's what he's doing. He's telling you, you know, that, that sometimes people chalk it, up, chalk it up to their conscience. Oh, my conscience is bothering me, or my mind is bothering me, or I, don't, I feel unsettled in my soul. All those kind of feelings people have. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you, saying you need to, you need to get right. You need to fix that. That's not right. And he's convicting you. And what he's doing, what, the, what our Father is doing, is he's graciously calling us. Your forgiveness is falling short, but let me forgive you. And when I forgive you, then you can forgive others. That's what he's doing. He's convicting us of our need. If you've not yet received that free gift of salvation, if you've not yet been forgiven, that is offered to you right now. But he also condemns the unrepentant. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, he talks about the fearful and the unbelieving, among other other qualifiers, but the fearful and unbelieving are going to find their place in a place called hell, in a pit of fire. They won't forgive because they won't accept his forgiveness. I am most fearful, if I am honest about it, I am most fearful about people who either sit in a church pew on a regular basis or who have at one time sat in a church pew but now no longer do so for one reason or another because they have heard of this forgiveness that God has offered to them, yet they choose to reject it. That's exactly, I believe, where this servant in this story is. He had face-to-face, he knew the forgiveness that was being offered. It was being made available to him. It was so close he could touch it. He had had it available to him, yet he proved that he had not fully embraced it because what does he do? He walks out and he doesn't forgive his other servant. And if you will not accept his forgiveness, there will be condemnation, which is why we see here in verse 34 that this man is delivered to his tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. We will one day, if we do not receive the gift of salvation, if we have 
heard of the gift, we know of the gift, it is made available to us, yet we re reject it, we turn away from it, what we are going to experience absolutely unequivocally, we will be forced to spend eternity contributing, never paying it back, but contributing to the punishment that we deserve because of our debt, that we got, Christ already paid the debt. You understand that? He's already paid it. Yet because you reject it, you are now going to be in this position where you're going to have to endure the punishment of it for eternity. So if your forgiveness falls short, you can expect to God, for God to deal with you. Whether you're a son, he'll correct you. Um, if you're an unbeliever, he'll convict you. But if you ultimately turn him away, he will condemn you. But he's going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it. The third thing that you should expect to happen, I think we can see this here in verse 35. He says there, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. He says you need to forgive. So what, you're, what you're missing in this forgiveness is forgiving from your heart. What I think we want, when I, when I think about how do I forgive, and when I, find, I imagine where you're sitting there thinking about, because you might have a specific person or a circumstance that maybe you're struggling with, and I know I've talked to people before where they're saying, I have a hard time forgiving this person because of that. And I sit in there and listen to them, yeah, I'd have a hard time forgiving that person too. You know, That's kind of the way I feel about it. That's a tough one. I don't know. And what they're looking for, and what I'm looking for, is this step-by-step -step guide. We want the rules. How do I forgive them? What do I need to do? What are the three things I need to do in order to start forgiving people? I want to be a better forgiver. What do I do? How do I do this? And what you're wanting is a do this and don't do this kind of a list. But what he tells us here in verse 35 is the way to forgive is from your hearts forgive. Because forgiveness starts with a change of your heart. Now let me make sure we're all clear on what I'm talking about. I think you know I'm not talking about that organ that pumps in your chest. I think you know I'm not talking about that. But the Bible uses the idea of a heart. It is the center of who you are. It is, if I can put it this way, the real you. That part of you that if you were to drop dead right now that would continue to live forever. That part of you that's listening to me right now, not your ears, not even your brain, but that part of you that's hearing what's being said, that's feeling, that's thinking, that's emoting, all of those things. That's what your heart, it's the source of who you are. In fact, Proverbs 4 Verse 23 says that the, the heart, it's from the heart that all things flow. talks about all the issues of life flow from the heart. It talks about the things that you do, the things that you believe, the words you say. All of that comes from your heart. So we understand, I think, conceptually what the heart is. But here's the problem. The Bible continuously tells me that heart, your heart, my heart, it's messed up. It's a messed up heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. So I need something to be changed in my heart. So he says, go, go back to verse 35. He says, if ye from your hearts forgive not, so therefore you need to forgive with your heart, he's saying to us. But I've got this heart that needs to be a forgiving heart, but my heart naturally is not forgiving. My heart naturally is hateful. My heart naturally is vengeful. My heart naturally wants to get back at somebody. My heart really gets, maybe, my, maybe you're a person that gets your feelings hurt, and your heart's hurt because of what they did to you. Your heart is, there's all kinds of reactions, but our hearts naturally are not bent towards forgiveness. Our hearts are messed up. So we need a change of heart. 
Here's the good news. God is in the heart-changing business. That's what he does. Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 19 says that he's going to remove that heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. He's going to take that heart that's not what it's supposed to be, that's not working the way it's supposed to be, that's broken, that is hurt, that is, that is hateful, that is hardened against other people and circumstances. He's going to take that heart. He's going to take that one out. He's not, even just going, he's, not, he's not going to just go and repair it. He's just going to take it all the way out and give you a whole new one. He's going to start over. So if I want to forgive, I'd like to give you the three-step plan to forgiveness. I wish I could give it to you. I'd, put it on, I'd make it on a little bookmark, and I would give every one of you the three-step plan to forgiveness. But I'm just going to tell you the only way of forgiveness is to ask God to fix your heart. You're just going to have to say, God, that person's too mean. I can't forgive them. That person hurt me too bad. I can't forgive them. These circumstances are too complicated. I don't know how to forgive that person. You're going to have to at some point level set with the Lord and say, Lord, I can't fix this. I know what the Bible says. I value what Jesus did for me. I understand all of those things, and I want it to change my attitude towards that person, that situation, and that thing, but it's just not. You're going to have to fix that for me. And he says there that if we will ask him, he will change. It's like the way the psalmist says it, and the psalmist was talking about his sin in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I think the minute that you get to that point and you say, I understand all the facts, and the facts are helpful and necessary, that's why we have the Word of God, but I understand all the facts, but you have to understand that my, my, my heart, it just doesn't want to forgive. You're just going to have to take it to the Lord. So you're going to have to, the third expectation, if you want to see forgiveness, if your forgiveness is falling short, the expectation you better have is that God is going to change your heart. Yes, he's going to deal with you. He's going to, he's going to convict you. He's going to correct you. But where he's going to lead you to is that place where you're on your knees and saying, God, I can't fix this. You've got to change my heart. So what does Jesus think about your forgiveness? Well, I can just tell you right now, I don't know exactly what you're dealing with, but I'm about to tell you, he ain't real happy with it. It's always going to fall real short. I hate to set you up for failure like that, but that's the truth of the matter. None of our forgiveness. He says even in Isaiah, he says, all the best that we have to offer, our righteousness is a filthy rag. So I can guarantee you your forgiveness ain't much better. But fortunately, he's a, he's a Savior that's full of grace and he's full of mercy. And you just need to ask him to change your heart.